While teaching at the Yale Divinity School, Henry Nouwen met and befriended a young student named Fred Bateman, a secular Jew who, when challenged to read the Hebrew Bible, said, It doesn't speak to me. It is a strange, faraway world. Well, said Nouwen, read at least the book of Ecclesiastes, the one that opens with the words, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Fred returned the next day and said, I read it. I never realized that there was a place in the Bible for a skeptic like me. That's very reassuring. Are you a skeptic? Do you wonder if life has any purpose or meaning? Consider reading the inspired musings of a wise king named Solomon found in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. Have you searched in vain for the meaning of life by exploring everything under the sun? If so, maybe it's time you look above the sun. Hello and welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today, Ron takes us once again to the book of Ecclesiastes as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron and part two of his Something Good radio message, Ecclesiastes, the ultimate meaning of life. And maybe this is how the Epicureans uh, in, in the first century came up with their philosophy of life. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. There's nothing beyond the grave. And if there's nothing beyond the grave, then this life, if, if all it is is an accident of chance plus time, then how, how, how vain is that? How meaningless, how utterly useless is that? Again, time doesn't allow us to go through every one of the journeys Solomon took with his unlimited resources to fulfill his insatiable desire, but he, he does elsewhere talk about the vanity of envy, envying what your neighbor has, the vanity of greed, the vanity of fame. You say, oh, if I just, if people just knew who I was, if I was famous, I'd be fulfilled. The vanity of the love of money, he talks about, the vanity of covetousness. He even talks about the vanity of religion. He's, he, he asks the question, why do the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? And so this is uh, Solomon's assessment of life under the sun. And it lasts for 11 chapters. He, he doesn't shift to an above the sun perspective until chapter 12. But he gives us a little bit of a hint of it in chapter three, and that's where I wanna go now. Um, turn with me to chapter three of the book of Solomon. And I, I wanna read a passage of scripture here that is perhaps familiar to us. It is brilliant in terms of its rhythmic poetry, and you might even uh, tap your foot a little bit to a familiar tune that was written uh, based upon this. But fortunately, Solomon does not remain pessimistic about his life. By the way, somebody once said, you start out in life in optimism. Don't you love the optimism of a young child and a, a young adolescent? 
But if you're not careful before long, the seeds of skepticism get planted in you. Maybe by somebody else. I hope not. An adult that comes along and says, oh, you know, and dashes your dreams against the rocks. But you go from optimism to skepticism, and if you're not careful, it leads to pessimism, and you become a grouchy old man or woman that dashes the dreams of the young against the rocks. Solomon, fortunately, does not land in pessimism. He, he's here to say, listen, let me report back to you. I've had it all. I have done it all. And that life under the sun left me feeling empty and meaningless. Now, we catch at the first glimpse of his above-the-sun perspective in chapter 3 where Solomon acknowledges that life under the sun is short, it's rhythmic, it's calculated with a, a time and a season for everything. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, for everything there is a season, he says, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. That's a pretty good time, just, just reading that. It's kind of fun. It's rhythmic. It's enjoyable. And if you're of a certain age, you might even, even be humming that song that was made famous by a folk rock band in the 1960s called The Birds. Yeah, turn, turn, turn. For everything, there is a season. Uh, Solomon goes on just a few verses later in chapter 3 and verse 11, and he says, God has made everything beautiful in his time. For just a moment, we get an above the sun glimpse there. And he goes on to say in the latter part of chapter 3 and verse 11, listen to this, also he, that is God, has put eternity, eternity in man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What an interesting phrase, eternity in the heart. I wrote a book several years ago called Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets, and I, and I reflected a little bit on uh, Solomon's view of life, death, and the afterlife from this under-the-sun experience, if you don't mind. I wrote, Solomon sticks his head above the sun long enough to catch a glimpse of God and eternity. Beauty comes in understanding there is a purpose and meaning to everything under the sun. No matter how random life appears or painful it becomes, God is always up to something good and eternally appropriate for us. I go on to talk about how it takes an above-the-sun perspective to embrace that idea by faith. You stay below the sun, earthly, humanistic, what can only be explained by man's theories, and uh, you won't see the eternal perspective here. Regarding God placing eternity in man's heart, I go on to write, from the very beginning, God planned that you and I would live forever with him. 
He put eternity in our hearts to remind us of that and to create in us a thirst for the transcendent. The meaninglessness of life evaporates when we know we are part of God's eternal plan and we allow that to become our focus. Or as Augustine of Hippo famously said, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. And because eternity rests in our hearts, it's that, that voice that God put uh, scribbled onto our soul and our conscience that says, there has to be more than this. And because eternity is on our hearts, we cannot live life merely under the sun and find fulfillment and meaning. It will never satisfy. It wasn't designed to satisfy. As Augustine says, we, we were designed and built to have a relationship with God. And if you try to take wisdom or wealth or work or self-indulgence or whatever it might be and jam it into that God-shaped vacuum in your heart, it's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't fit. This just won't go. And you'll come to the same conclusion as Solomon did. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. It's just utter meaninglessness. Well, what more can we say about Solomon's conclusion? Uh, when we were in the book of Proverbs, Solomon summarized wisdom at the beginning of Proverbs. Do you remember that? Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And he said, fools despise wisdom and instruction. However, in Ecclesiastes, you've you got to work your way all the way through the first 11 chapters. It is a dark detour on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. When you come to chapter 11, albeit for this little glimpse we get above the sun in chapter 3, we come to chapter 12 and verse 13. Here's why I say Solomon did, did not end in pessimism. Because he says in chapter 12 and verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He says, here's where I landed. After I took my unlimited resources, unlimited opportunities to try to fill my insatiable desires, here's where I ended up. And by the way, all has been heard. All has been done. There isn't anything that you think might bring you happiness or fulfillment in life that I haven't tried. He, he is uniquely uh, here on this earth, Solomon was, to travel this journey for us, to report back. He says, all has been heard. Here's my conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Sounds a little bit like Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This idea of the fear of God, uh, which is that kind of deep awe and respect for your creator that results in obedience to his divine commands and a humility that comes with that. Solomon says that's the way to gain wisdom and it's the way to discover the meaning of life. In other words, the meaning of life is only possible to discover in relation to the giver of life, your creator. 
We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to access the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Again, that's our Something Good digital library at somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good Radio and free resources like the Something Good Digital Library only exist through the faithful prayer and financial support of listeners like you. Today, as you give, we'll give you access to an ebook written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with the second road trip in his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. This digital resource is based on the five Old Testament books of wisdom, Job through Song of Solomon. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245. Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Ron joins me in the studio after today's message, so stay with us. But first, let's tune in to the second half of today's Something Good Radio message, Ecclesiastes, the ultimate meaning of life. Now, earlier in chapter 12, Solomon tells us the best time to come to this conclusion. Some of you are already there because you know this verse too, chapter 12 and verse 1. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Why? Well, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. When optimism is glowing in your heart, where eternity in your heart hearts is a voice you can hear loudly and the dreams and and, and that sense of transcendence are there. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before some grouchy, pessimistic skeptic comes along and plants seeds of doubt and skepticism and pessimism in your heart because they didn't do this. It reminds me of why perhaps the most significant thing that happened in the life of our ministry this past week was those 42 salvation decisions in vacation Bible school. And why the greatest investment that we can make as a church, yeah, that offering in the offering plate that makes it all possible in kids' ministry and student ministry We want to bring the gospel to that heart that that still hears the voice of eternity. Listen, Hitler understood this. Hitler understood, get them while they're young. You know, the Hitler youth camps. What's happening today in our culture through the onslaught of socialism and communism, what are they aiming at? The schools. It means that we in the church need to be on the front lines of bringing the gospel to the youth as early as they can understand the gospel. That's why we we wore ourselves out this week with Vacation Bible School. And praise the Lord, 42 young souls were born into the kingdom of God. And let's not stop there. 
Did you know that most people who come to faith in Jesus Christ and become one of his disciples do so before they leave adolescence? Those are just the, the statistics. And I'm not saying that an older person who has moved from optimism to skepticism and is deeply embedded in pessimism cannot come to faith in Christ. Oh, no. Uh, nobody is beyond the reach of, of God's saving arm. But whatever your age, Ecclesiastes sets the whole duty of man before us. And it does so, so eloquently. If you have any doubts that whatever you're chasing after will bring the ultimate meaning to your life, <laughs> read Solomon's record. It will be your experience as well, a life lived under the sun without any eternal perspective. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Colossians, I believe, said, set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. There's plenty of time that Solomon says, uh, enjoy what God has given to you. Enjoy your work and enjoy your relationships and enjoy the wealth that you've amassed. But just because you enjoy something doesn't mean that it produces fulfillment and purpose. They're two different things. Enjoy the blessing God has given to you, but purpose and meaning and that sense of transcendence are found above the sun. Set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. Oftentimes, um, when I conduct a funeral, not often, always, eternity in the heart speaks the loudest at that moment. When we're standing graveside, um, celebrating and mourning the loss of a loved one or friend while simultaneously considering our own mortality. Is there any meaning beyond this? At that moment, you'll learn whether or not you're living life under the sun with a humanistic philosophy of life, whether you've bought into Mr. Worldly Wise Man who tells you you're nothing more than pond scum, the product of chance plus time, what meaning is there in that? No, you are created in the image of God. You are the product of a master craftsman. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And he placed eternity in your heart. Find that voice again. Find that understanding again, that there's, there's, there's something beyond this. And whatever I live for in this life needs to be lived for the glory of God. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. That's why we're here, to bring glory to him and honor to him. The rest of it is just window dressing. Enjoy life, nothing wrong with that. But, but don't, don't look for this world to ultimately satisfy you. In fact, if you're the kind of person, the follower of Jesus who is seeking that which is above and not below, you'll find that this world becomes increasingly less satisfying. That after all the enjoyment, even of the good things in life, it still leaves you wanting more. That's the tr transcendent call of eternity in our hearts. Solomon says he's placed eternity in our hearts, but in a way that we can't understand all that God has done, and that's true. He's given us all that we need to know about life and death and the afterlife, 
but not all that we'd like to know. We still have questions, don't we? But there's enough of eternity in our hearts to make a faith decision. And some of you are there today. Some of you are right there. You've come here into this auditorium or maybe online, and and you're, you're at a crisis point in your life wondering where is the purpose, where is the meaning, Uh, Maybe you've written off the Bible as a a book that talks about a a far, far away distant place that you can't relate to, like Fred Bateman did. But today, the voice of eternity is calling you and inviting you to come home and, and, and to find in a relationship through faith in Jesus Christ your ultimate purpose and meaning. And I can just tell you, and others in this place can testify, that when you do that, No, life doesn't become perfect. We live in a fallen world, right, that is completely unable to to fill that emptiness in our life. But in a different way, through faith in Jesus Christ, everything else falls in place. Even the painful times of life, the sufferings of this life, because we know that God is really ultimately up to something good to those who love him and to those who are the called according to his purpose. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, Ecclesiastes, The Ultimate Meaning of Life. Ron, there's so much we could discuss about the book of Ecclesiastes, the search for meaning in all the wrong places, the true meaning of life being found only in a relationship with God. But I wonder if we might focus for a few moments on another one of the big ideas in the book of Ecclesiastes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Let's talk about that as we wrap things up here on Something Good Radio. Brian, I believe the key word in that sentence is the word beginning. The fear of the Lord is not a starting point. It is the only starting point. Uh, You'll never acquire true knowledge or true wisdom without taking that first step. To use a phrase Solomon used, any other starting point would be like chasing after the wind. So that's the first step, and, and it is mandatory. But once you've taken that first step, there are other steps left to take. The good news is once you fear and love God the way you should, once you come to faith in Christ and make him your top priority over everything and everyone else, I'm talking about your spouse, your children, your job, your hobbies, uh, perhaps most importantly, even yourself. Well, then you are equipped to take that journey toward wisdom. The critical factor, Brian, is the consistent day in, day out making of God the most important person in your life. Uh, Live in the word of God. Cry out to him consistently for wisdom. And according to the book of James, he will give it to you generously. And this search for wisdom, if done the way God suggests, leads us to the same conclusion Solomon drew, which is to fear God and keep his commandments. That's the ultimate meaning of life. And doing that sets us on a road towards wisdom and understanding and ultimately spiritual maturity that affords us the privilege of helping others take that same journey. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts from today's message, Ecclesiastes, The Ultimate Meaning of Life. Well, Ron, as we wrap things up for the day, tell us what's in store for us next time as you move ahead in your current series. Yes, and thanks, Brian. Next on the ultimate road trip through the Bible is the Song of Solomon, the last of the five Old Testament books of wisdom. In these eight chapters, Solomon greatly emphasizes the sanctity of marriage and tells us in no uncertain terms 
The marriage was designed by God. It is not a cultural construct, but a creation concept and a divine concept. There's also a deeper purpose here in the Song of Solomon, and that is uh, shown in how he paints a picture of God's love for his chosen people. So what we'll find over the course of the next couple of days is that the Song of Solomon unveils the depths of God's authentic love for us and encourages us to strive to model that in our marriages. In fact, marriage was designed by God for just that purpose, to be a demonstration of his love for his own bride, the church. I'll dive deeper into this subject next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. That's tomorrow in Dr. Ronjohn's message, Song of Solomon, The Secrets of a Satisfying Marriage. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.